Hello and welcome to the PLYMC's Library Anywhere podcast, where we discuss books, programs, and all things library related in Youngstown and Mahoning County. Hello and welcome back to the PLYMC podcast. I am Rhonda. And I'm Haley. For those of you who may not be aware, the week of April 10th to April 17th is Money Smart Week. So today we decided to take the opportunity to discuss financial literacy, which includes a healthy dose of what is known as being cyber literate, a bit of a new term for me myself. So we're going to talk about how to recognize and avoid fraud, otherwise known as scams. That's right. And we're going to also be discussing finance and investing. And on our library's website, we have a business resource area. And there you can find resources to assist with money matters. And we also have a business and investment center in the library, which provides valuable resources for learning how to get smart with your money. Today, we have invited our very own Ed Koltonsky, who is the library's designated business librarian and leader of the library's business and investment center, otherwise known as the BIC. His expertise is in the areas of finance, investing, and fraud. Well, welcome, Ed, to our show. Hi, how y'all doing today? Doing swell. Well, let's start out with you just telling us a little bit about your background and how you became a business librarian. Absolutely. Um, So I became a business librarian in a bit of a securitist way. I actually started off going to college to get a PhD in history. But what I focused on a lot uh, when I was doing that was things like economics, society, politics, things like that. I realized I didn't have the brain power for a PhD in history or the time to get it. So I moved on. I started doing library and information sciences. After I finished that, I went and worked at a local office for a company uh, that does finance technology. They're called FactSet. So I worked there as a research analyst for a few years. And then afterwards, kind of missed being around education, libraries, things like that. The job opened up for the business librarian position here. And I just kind of uh, lucked my way into it, I guess you could say. Well, we're glad to have you. So we're going to pick your brain about all the things that you're doing for us now that you're here with our library system. You know, I understand that you work with the categories of finance, investing, and fraud. And can you tell us about how you do that finance work with the the small businesses, like the personal investment side versus a small business perspective on finance? Well, absolutely. Um, When it comes down to the needs of a small business, uh, whether that small business has been around for a while or not, and the needs of a person, um, finance can be very different when you're looking at that. So finance in the terms of business typically has to do with securing monies to operate. Finance for us, just regular people every day, really is is about attempting to grow wealth over time, you know, by turning our capital into more capital, basically. So I do a lot more work, definitely, um, on the personal finance side of things, typically with supplying information, getting people in contact with good sources, helping them figure out how to research companies, interests, things like that. And that's definitely where I spend a lot of my time on the personal finance side of things. Okay, so Ed, can this information be found on the library's website? Oh, it absolutely can. So on the library's website, which is librayvisit.org, if you click on the research tab and then select business, 
you'll go to the Business Investment Center webpage. And on there, we have a, a whole bunch of sources, um, whether you're small business, personal finance, uh, whatever your needs might be. Okay, good. And, and let me ask you this. How do you uh, work with community regarding investment information? That's kind of a give and take. And and really, I mostly end up working with the community as far as investments go by people who are already kind of interested in investing itself. Um, we've definitely tried reaching out, uh, doing programs, trying to grow a lot more interest in investing in the community. And, and this hasn't always worked out. So for the people who already are kind of interested in investing or already investing, basically, I'm just, like I said earlier, like a resource. They come to me wanting information or ways to find information that they're going to use in making their investment decisions. When I've attempted to do more outreach uh, in the community to kind of get people interested in the idea of investing, it's usually been kind of on the back of, of getting people to understand the different retail investing options out there. Um, so by retail investing options, what I'm talking about are things like Robinhood, which we've all become massively familiar with in the past couple of months. But there's there's other apps that provide the same type of service, um, whether it's a stockpile, um, stash, or, or different things like that that they can use. And it also provides the ability for everyone to invest because most all of these now apps now have made it so that you don't have to invest in the face value of a stock, which is really important for those of us who don't have a lot of money to throw into the idea of investing. Mm-hmm. Is this uh, similar to people who are investing for retirement? Uh, you have um, the same approach? You can have the same approach. So at, at this point, I'm going to come out and say that that while I understand the information in the areas when it comes to finance and investing, that I am in no way a finance or, or investing expert. So I really don't give advice mm-hmm. on that. But generally what happens is, is people change the way uh, that they invest over time based on kind of where they are in their careers. So if you're younger, you're new in your career, um, the typical advice is to be a little bit riskier with your money because you have the time to make it back if you lose something. Mm -hmm. Um, You get older, you get closer to retirement. At that point, you want to be a little bit more conservative with, you know, your bets. You want to be you want to be a lot more risk adverse is what financial people would say in this situation. And you can do that, you can invest for retirement in in a couple of different ways. You can just invest in stocks generally um, with your own goal being to save money towards something like retirement. Or you could, through certain through certain retail investing apps um, like Stash comes to mind, you can actually open your own retirement account through that. Um, and one of the options on there that you can do is actually open up a Roth IRA, um, which is considered to be a very good reti- type of retirement account to open up because you'll be taxed on the money as you put it in, less so than having the money taxed on you coming back out again. When you want, when you really need it, when you really need that money. Yes. Yeah. If I could ask real quick, uh, you mentioned the stash app. Is that, I I guess I wanted, like if I were to use it, because I would be new to this. Is it, is that something easy to use, easy to navigate through? Or what do you think? It, it absolutely is. Um, um, so, so I say Stash app because most people use it on 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 their mobile device on their phone, mm-hmm. um, and that's just because most people are connecting on the internet right now on their mobile device. 
But, you know, you can also go online. They have a website as well. But it actually is really easy to set up an account. Um, so one of like my usual things that I try and do is when I hear about some kind of new type of service or some new type of, of thing that's out there that could be used by a business or by people um, who are interested in finance, investing, things like that, I usually sign up for an account and give it a shot. Um, so I have all these strange accounts out there that have maybe like five or $10 floating around in them just to kind of see how it works because I never know if someone's going to be like, hey, I heard about this thing. How do I use it? So kind of the best way for me to know how to use it is to actually use it. Um, Stash was really easy to set up from what I remember. You enter in some personal information. You enter in some banking information. One of the things that might make people a little bit nervous is it will ask for your social security number. Setting up through one of these, these retail investing apps is exactly the same as going and opening up a money market account or something like that. So you have to provide your identity information because that is going to be linked inexorably to you from that point forward. Mm -hmm. um, so it is still investing. It might make people a little bit nervous to do that, but it's kind of required of all investing uh, that you give up things like your social security account, that you be uh, linked to a bank account, things like that. Right. This is getting into my next topic that I think you'll have a lot to say about is the issue of you know information security and scams. So in a case like this Stash app, how did you become comfortable with, you know, this being a legit app as opposed to some kind of scam and you're never going to get your money back? Absolutely. And for me, it, it's it's probably way, way dorkier than, than a lot of people would probably have to do to kind of start to feel confident about it. You know, but I went and made sure, um, you know, I looked up, okay, so Stash, um, where are they located? You know, what state are they in? Okay, great. Are they actually a licensed business? Have they licensed with their Secretary of State's office to open a business? Mm -hmm. um, that for me is something that I want to check because right off the bat, if you are saying that you're a business, and you haven't licensed with the state that you're located in, you're not really a legitimate business at that point. Um, so for me, that's kind of a fast way to do it, but that's kind of because I know where to go to check on something like that. A right. broader way to do it um, that's a lot easier is honestly go online and just start Googling. Um, you can find a lot of information that way. If, if there's a scam out there, people are going to be talking about it. If it's a legitimate business, you know, uh, online magazines, online uh, newspapers are going to be talking about it. So, um, you know, you can go to trusted news sources like the Wall Street Journal, um, you know, USA Today, New York Times. If they're all saying this is a legitimate business, it's probably a legitimate business. So there's multiple different ways to get at, at feeling comfortable with that idea. And that's kind of one of those things that you end up having to do um, just in general when it comes to um, your online identity and, and doing finances online. Right, right. Because there's other, I mean, other areas, not just investment, where someone might be concerned about how do they keep their private information secure? Is this uh, website legit? Are there any other tips you can give someone who's concerned about their information being online or how to, to stay private when they're doing something important? 
Absolutely. And and honestly, this is a topic that's been coming up a lot more in the last year, I think, because we are a lot more online. Um, we were, we've were we been surprisingly online for the past two decades. We are kind of amazingly online at this point. Right now in doing this podcast, I'm looking at all of you sitting in all different branches all throughout Mahoning County right now, because that's just kind of how work has become. And it's also how like our entertainment has become. Everything has kind of moved online much faster than really what the experts, like security experts and computer experts, technologists were saying, um, just because this is how we've kept society moving forward in the last year. So I've had a lot more people who come in who go, I'm worried about having my information out there. I'm worried about being hacked. I'm worried about all of these things. Right. And, and I always try with a bit of brevity and I usually try and start off with a joke. And so what I would say is, Haley, I understand that you're very worried about your information and I can make you 100% secure. Wow. I can make sure that absolutely no one will ever get to your information. <laughs> and what I will do is I will take every web connected device that you have and I will take it out behind the library and I will light it all on fire. <laughs> and you will be completely and totally protected from any bad thing ever happening to you online. And the reality is, 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 is that's the only way to be 100% sure. But that's the only way to be 100% sure in anything, you know, is basically to never, ever be involved in it. Um, right. So with a lot of cybersecurity experts, they deal in something called risk assessment. And what they try and do is balance out um, the two things that they're most concerned about, which is usability and risk. And that's kind of what we have to do um, on a daily basis, even though we might not think about it in technical terms. We have to balance out, are we comfortable with this amount of risk to use something, to bring it back to the Stash app? Am I comfortable with giving them my social security number or my banking information so that I can use the app? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's that kind of assessment that we're going to make with most things that we do, even with websites. Um, you know, most websites now usually are running secured and you can actually see if a website is secured. So if you look up at the address bar of a web browser, there's the URL. That's the address. That's where you go. Right. Um, so when you type in libraryvisit.org, that's the URL. That's the address that gets uh, gets you to our, our library's website. Right. Um, if you want to know if something is secure or not, look to the left of that URL. If you see a little padlock there. Okay, that basically means that there is a level of security in place. It's it's a confidence builder, um, hmm. and that's 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 known as 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 SSL, which is way technical, and we don't have to get into any of this because it's it's going to bore everyone to death, you included. You'll start snoring. <laughs> it'll be bad. But really, what you're looking at there is is that there is a level of security in place built into that website, so that when you communicate with it. It is more secure than running outside and and showing everyone uh, a giant poster with your social security number on it. Does that happen it, on a mobile device too? I guess I've never noticed this. You've just you've just shown me something new here. So that happens on my yes, phone as well. Absolutely, huh. it happens on your phone as well. Um, yeah, uh, one thing to always kind of keep in mind because we have tablets, we have phones, we have laptops, we have desktop computers, we have all huh. of these different ways to connect to the internet. But fundamentally, we're all connecting to the same internet and it's all basically operating in the same exact way. Mm -hmm. So if they built the website with, with that secure feature, it's going to be that secure feature, whether you're getting on there with an iPad or with a Samsung smartphone. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. 
Well, you know, as well as I do during the pandemic, there's been a lot of scams that have taken place and even prior to that, but just in general, you know, it's, it's been happening a lot. What are some of the most common scams that you think customers might in, encounter? And do you see and do you see any like happening at certain times, you know, of the year, you know, that type of thing? Oh, absolutely. Kind of like holidays, um, scams are really cyclical and they kind of land at certain parts of the year. For example, right now we are in the tax scam season. You know, there are unfortunately a lot of people who are going to get contacted by individuals or groups um, who are pretending to be the IRS. And, you know, they're going to be like, oh, hey, I'm just calling you to let you know um, you owe us a bunch of money. And if you don't hurry up and pay us right now, you're going to go to jail. Mm. And these are scams that happen at this time of year because our consciousness is is more directed towards that idea of taxes because it's tax season, mm-hmm. you know, it makes it a better time for that. And unfortunately, that's that's more or less the setup that will happen is they're going to call you up and they're going to get you on the phone because, you know, you kind of made that mistake. You answered that phone number that you didn't recognize. You had no idea who it was. And they're telling you they're the IRS. And you're like, oh, what do I do now? Um <laughs> You know, and they're going to keep you on that phone and they have they have a literal script like right now I'm kind of looking at at, 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 at a loose little script of, of, you know, the conversation that we had before recording this, you know, scammers have a script and they're going to follow that script because that script works, wow. you know, and they're going to continue to pressure people. And they're going to make you scared. And as you get scared and as you get pressured, you start thinking not about, is this legitimate? You start thinking about how in the world do I get out of this? Yeah, that's true. You know, and I was just thinking when you said the script part, um, which happened with my mother, and she said, it sounds so real, you know, and of course, that's the goal of the scammer, you know, to make it sound real and to scare you so I definitely am aware of that. I know, like I said, it happened to my mom and, you know, you read about all that, you know, the scams and things that go on, but yeah, it definitely sounds real. So you have to definitely be careful. Absolutely, Rhonda. I mean, it's it's happened to me. It's really tough that things like this flourish kind of, uh, uh, not to be melodramatic or anything, but things like this really do flourish in the dark. You know, when you don't talk about something and then people don't know about it, yeah. it's easier to keep it going. Mm-hmm. I have come really close to falling for scams before in the past. You know, I have entered a credit card into a website and then later discovered that, well, wait a minute, there's charges on my card that I did not do. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I could tie it back to, well, that happened within a few months of going to this website and putting my credit card in- information in. And, you know, now I have to deal with my credit card company. Now I have to deal with my bank. Now I have to, to, you know, be like, Hey, look, I didn't pay for this service ever, you know, but I'm being charged for it. This is going to happen. And it's kind of, it's frightening because no one wants to feel foolish because it hurts us to feel foolish. You know, no one wants to admit, Hey, I got suckered by something. But at the same time, that kind of psychology of not wanting to feel that way is exactly why we need to kind of come out and say, this happens. Mm -hmm. Right. Or reach out. I know you were talking Rhonda about your mom the other day and you said she immediately called you taking that moment to question this other person 
by talking about it with someone else that you do trust. Right. You know, is, a, mm-hmm. is a pretty important piece. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in, a, in the middle of a scam, they will actively try as hard as humanly possible not to get you to talk to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Because it's yeah. that outsider's perspective. It's looking from the outside in and going, you know what? This this does not look right at all. You, <laughs> This does not look right. Don't keep mm-hmm. doing this. But when you're in the middle of it, it's harder to see. Right. Especially if it's the fear factor that they're amping up for you. Is there anything else, any other tips regarding keeping information private or cyber literacy? I heard you saying, you know, basically consider the source, check out that source, don't answer that phone until you, you know, have more information about this other person, talk about it with other people. Any other uh, tips to avoid some frauds? Um, it, it's really just being consistent like that, you know, so I, I, I try and let people know it's like, Hey, look, if I don't have your number, you're going to talk to my voicemail things that come up similarly. Cause sometimes scammers will leave a voicemail, even though they're mostly robo dialing, which is, which is a process of just kind of pushing out calls and seeing who answers. But in some cases they will actually leave that voicemail and it might sound convincing. You know, for example, I get a couple of voicemails every day that lets me know that the warranty on my car that I don't have, well, I do have a car, but I don't have a warranty on my car. So my warranty is about to expire and and they can give me more warranty time if I give them money for the warranty I don't have on the car that I do have. And, and this is a regular scam that's been going around right now. You kind of play that off here, you know, remember what you have. First off, you know, I have a car, I don't have a warranty. So how can my warranty be expiring? Mm-hmm. I don't know. The other thing to think about is the fact that there is a lot of information out there. So someone might call you and say, hey, I'm here from your bank and we have a problem with your account. I need you to go ahead and call me at this number. The one piece of advice I would give in that situation is if you don't know the person at the bank who's calling you, look up your own number mm-hmm. for the bank. Don't call that number. Right. You know, if you have a branch that you go to regularly, call up that branch, ask to speak to someone there, say, hey, this guy named Tom from your bank, you know, just gave me a call and said, there's a problem with my account. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. And they might go, I'm sorry, we have a thousand branches and not a single person named Tom works in any of them. I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Or if Tom actually does work at the bank, they'll go, oh yeah, Tom, I know Tom. Let me go ahead and connect you with him. Mm -hmm. But that's your way to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. If you call back the number that they give you, you don't know exactly who you're connecting with. Right. Okay. Ed, you know, this, I can go on. We can sit here forever and hours because I know myself and Haley probably ask you a million questions. (laughs) You know, because it's it's so much valuable information. But, you know, as far as customers, do you currently make uh, one-on-one appointments, you know, and how can patrons get in contact with you? Absolutely, I do, yes. So I, I used to do a lot more with programs, with groups of people, getting everyone together, learning some fun stuff, maybe eating a cookie or two. Um, <laughs> apparently, we're not doing that right now because it's not really the best of ideas. But yes, no, we we have developed a, a, a system here at the library where, where we can sit down one-on-one with people, keep everyone as safe as we can possibly keep them, but still kind of go ahead and work through and help people with the questions that they need answered. Um, 
so it's possible to contact me um, through the Business Investment Center website page right through there. Um, you can just call the library and you can just say, hey, um, I want to talk to the nerdy business guy. Um, <laughs> and and we have some great people who, who, who work at the library who will track me down um, and find out where I am and, and get you connected with me that way as well. You know, you can always send an email or even just stop in at the Brownlee branch, uh, which is where I'm, I'm currently working. And we can sit down with anyone and kind of help them through the questions that they need answered. And that um, for the in-person masks required, keeping the six feet mask required you can wear a bubble if it'll make you feel comfortable <laughs> i sometimes will put on a big bubble like john travolta in that movie um and just kind of roll around the branch people laugh at me but you know it's comfortable and i always have a place to sit down so great well and thank you so much for your time and all of your valuable information and thanks to everyone listening Thank you for joining us this month at PLYMC's Library Anywhere podcast. And make sure to visit our website at www.libraryvisit.org, where you can always find more great things the library offers. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, please tell a friend. Also, check our Instagram feed or follow us on Facebook at Library Mahoning County. Or find us on Twitter or YouTube at PLYMC. And be sure to tune in next month for our next episode. And thanks for listening.